0: Good morning.
1: We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory, oh yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely at this place. We will be quiet, we shout out your praise. Oh ho we shout out your praise oh ho we sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who, saves. We the God who always takes away. Because he hung upon that cross, then he rose up from that grave. Our God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise oh, We shout out your praise Oh, oh, oh. Cause we want the bad girl now we're royalty, we were the prisoners, now we're on and free, we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace, let the house of the Lord sing praise, cause we were the better The prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we will be quiet. We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in His place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise, we shout out your praise.
2: So he's out there. So he could, I mean, he could get halfway there and they call and say, never mind. <laughs> or he could be there for two weeks. So we don't know. It just depends on, because once the rain clears out, they're supposed to have uh, a three days of high winds oh. drying out. So that's, there you go. so that's why we just don't know. Um, Zach, if you'll pass those papers out. Zach's going to pass out a paper for everybody. And this is what we as the church are believing for. Um, and we're not going um, to, just real quick, uh, I'm not going to go over all of them today. I just want to <coughs> give it to you. Um, next Sunday, uh, after service, we'll take about 10, we'll take a real quick break, and then we'll take about uh, 15 minutes and go over what we're believing for and all of that. So don't let these things uh, freak you out. They're good things. We're just believing for a set number of church members and for having all of our supplies and needs met. So just, this is just tells you, to, this is so you know how to pray for the church. Amen. That's what this is for. Um, and and don't freak out over the, the numbers or anything like that. It's all very doable by God. In fact, he's oh. been doing it. <laughs> he's been doing it. Um, so we'll do that next Sunday. I don't have it in the bulletin, but just know... Uh we'll we'll run the service a little short and then we'll take a short break and then we'll go over that stuff next Sunday. But I want to just kind of give it to you so you could look at it ahead of time. And then um of course uh next Saturday is prayer for the nation at eight AM. We'll come in and pray for the nation. Uh there's a lot going on in the nation. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the nation. Um we've got elections coming up. Um You know, really, uh, we'll be electing a new governor in the state of North Carolina on this next election. Uh, So, you know, we want to make sure we get the right person in the office for that. And, uh, of course, new presidents and all that coming not too far down the road. And uh, we just, just the nation's need prayer. Yep. So we're going to do that uh, Saturday at 8. We usually pray for about an hour. Um, And then that way you have all your Saturday left. And then, of course, May 14th is Mother's Day. Um, And then also next week we'll have all the information for the baptism. Um, uh, And we will be teaching about water baptism ahead of time so you understand the fullness of it and and when uh, we're going to do everything and the purpose of water baptism because a lot of people don't understand what water baptism is. A lot of people believe that uh, how you get saved and make heaven is through water baptism.
0: Nope, and that nope. is not
2: the purpose of water baptism at all. Uh, just a little blip on that. Water baptism kind of, don't freak out on me, but kind of should run on the lines of a wedding. It's something that should be public. It's something that you should invite friends and family to. Um, it's a public declaration of what God's doing yes. on the inside. Um, and, it's some, and it's something that's, that's a celebration. Uh, just to give you a little insight. And then at the end of the month in May, we've got uh, Reverends Larry and Angela Keaton are coming. Ooh. And I love it when the Keatons come. They have pastored. They have uh, they've been evangelized. They evangelized in the Czech Republic for 18 years. Angela was a teacher at Rama. She's the ghostwriter on one of Dad Hagen's books. Um, in fact, the Plants, Purposes, and Pursuits book, she was the ghostwriter on that. Um, and what I mean by a ghostwriter, is she took all of Dad Hagen's sermons and all of his notes and and made the and wrote the book as though he wrote it himself. In fact, there were two people before her that had ghostwritten the book, and Dad Hagen rejected both of them and said, "Nope, that doesn't sound like me." <laughs> <laughs> so she took it under a, uh, under an intense deadline and wrote that book for him, and he was very pleased with it. Um, And so the very gifted ministers of the gospel, they have a healing anointing that flows with them. They've had a lot of creative miracles happen in their ministry. Um, And what we love so much about Larry and Angela is they don't put any pressure on the church whatsoever. They don't put any pressure on us. They don't put any pressure on us to, uh, you know, of course we give them a love offering, but they don't set a set amount. In fact, we don't even talk about it. And when we do hand them their honorarium, they, they just pray over it. They pray for us. Uh, they come in a little bit early uh, so that they can get with us and pray over the church and the ministry. We don't talk about anything church-wise with them. That way when they come in, it's all by the Holy Ghost.
0: Amen. And we just
2: love them for that. They're just, they're just an amazing couple, very gifted ministers. So they'll be here Friday night yes. at 7, Saturday at 10 and at 7, and then Sunday at 10 and 6, um, so invite people to come, um, get, mark your calendars. purpose in your heart to be here all five services, because every service builds on the prior service. Every teaching, every service builds. Um, and there, a husband and wife, sometimes she teaches, sometimes he teaches. sometimes they teach together. so it's you, know, something we're very accustomed to. And then, of course, and then in June we've got prayer for the nation and Father's Day and camp and all that. So that's everything we got coming up. Now you'll notice in meditation this week that this looks very different this week. There's not ten, there's not an in hymn this week and there's not a healing scripture this week uh, because Brother Randy, uh, you know, the, the Lord's been dealing with me about meditation and Pastor Mike about meditation, and you know we got, you know we give you guys meditation every week. Um, But this was something that the Lord showed Brother Randy, uh, and he did this teaching when he was up in Mississauga. And I said, wow, God, that's an amazing uh, formula, I guess you could say, uh, to help people to learn how to meditate. And uh, Brother Randy uh, uh, calls this the the triple sevens of meditation. Um, and what the Lord told him to do, and I've got it written out in the bulletin for you, is he says, is number one, the Lord said, get one scripture, just one, that covers your need. If you need healing, get one scripture on healing. If you need finances, get one healing in finances. If you need to know who you are in Christ, get one scripture that covers that. Whatever you're believing for, get just one scripture. Don't go get 20, get one. And then he said, and this is what the Lord told Brother Randy. He said, I want he, this is the instruction from, from the Lord to Brother Randy. The Lord said, Read your scripture, the one that you pick, read it out loud, out loud to yourself, seven times. So say it seven times. So the scripture that I'm working on is the one I put in the scripture, which is second Corinthians eight nine. And so in the morning I ate for seven seven times I'll say For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Did you see that? The Bible says that Jesus was rich. Amen. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he has become poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, that you threw, uh, that, that ye through his poverty he might be rich. And I'll go through and I'll say this seven times. And then what the Lord told him to do was close your eyes. Now the reason that we close our eyes is to block out all of the distractions. We could say it this way, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, crate up the dogs, you know, get rid of the distractions close your eyes, get in your prayer closet, whatever, get alone. But the Lord said, close your eyes, and then think deeply on that scripture for seven minutes. Just think on it, say it over and over to yourself in your mind, talk it through. Wow, Jesus, the Bible says that you are rich. Does this, you know, um, does this mean that you are rich just in spiritual riches or no? Actually, if you go look this word up, it means... Yes, to be, before it means uh, Christian uh, values, it actually means to be external, externally wealthy. He was externally wealthy. So think about it deeply. Turn it over in your mind. Talk it over with the Lord for seven minutes. And then do it again. Say it seven times, then think it over for seven minutes. Then say it seven times, and then think it over for seven minutes. So you're going to do the saying it and the thinking on it three times in a row. So you're taking about 30 minutes of meditation, third, about 30 minutes. And then the Lord told him this. He said, if you'll do this every day for seven days consistently, at the end of the seven days, that scripture will become real to you. It'll get down in your spirit, and you'll see that scripture more fully, more fully than ever before, and you'll be able to actually act on it. So, uh, so that's, how we, that's a good way to begin to train your body to meditate. And I've been doing this, and I'll tell you um, what, I, what I'm finding is that after I do my 30 minutes in the morning, I'm thinking, I catch myself thinking on it throughout the day because I've started my day this way. Um, and then uh, I'm going to put Derek on the spot before we do our confession this morning. And I'm gonna ask him to testify about what the Lord told him about his confession. Uh, because it's gonna help us. So this is all you. You got this, you need this, you got this? You got it? Okay, good, then give me my copy back. Okay, good, yeah. So um I'm gonna let him talk about that, but I'm gonna pray and then he's gonna talk about this, uh, because it's gonna help everybody in the house. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Father, we've already prayed this morning. And so, Father, I just thank you that your hand is upon the worship this morning. Father, I ask that you give every person an ear to hear. And, Father, I thank you that the word that's ministered gets down into the spirit and brings life to every person that has an ear to hear. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, Derek.
3: um hi um good morning um a few weeks ago like I was like just talking to God and like it actually happened to be about like our um Sunday morning confession and I was like okay like whenever Pastor Robbie honestly first brought this one to me I was like oh okay well this is nice this is good I like this and like the confession prior like I was like I got that one, like, I connected with it, like, I I didn't get it, it wasn't just a head knowledge, it was actually genuine spirit knowledge, and, but with this one, I've genuinely been struggling with it, and I just didn't know why, so, like, finally, like, I guess I asked God, I was like, God, I was like, why am I struggling with this one, I'm like, why is this, why am I not genuinely, like, connecting to this one, and as soon as I asked that question, like, the spirit told me that it's because I'm not believing what I'm saying, Like, I've been struggling to believe I am the image of God, and I am spirit and flesh, and that I am very good. Um, I've been struggling to believe, like, all those things that um, this confession says. And I'm working on it, like, because I'm I'm not perfect. Like, I'm a work in progress. (laughs) Like, um, I get in my head a lot. Um, I have to actively cast down thoughts, and for probably about a month now, I just haven't been doing that. Um... Moral of the story is that, uh, like, I have to see myself the way that God sees me and not the way I see myself. Um, (laughs) Which, that's, uh, it's been difficult to do that. Um, uh, So, (laughs) I'm learning to believe the words, not just, not just on just a piece of paper. Like, I'm like, you're learning to get the words down in my spirit and actually believe that. Like the way that God sees me instead of the way I see myself. So, um, with that being said, um, let's stand up and do our confession together.
4: (laughs) I am the image of God, I am spirit and I am flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead. With him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven. And redeemed. I am an ambassador. Of Christ. I am the righteousness. Of God. I am the workmanship. Of God's hands. I am created. And ordained. To do good works. I am justified. By faith, I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you.
0: Amen, 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 amen. amen. Well, I'm so glad to be home. Amen. Um, A few short editorials. Um, When we pray for the nation, uh, please understand, as I now do, uh, we are not only praying for the nation, we are praying for the world. Uh, Israel, Europe, uh, the majority of the world um, depend on our nation not only financially, politically, many, many, many ways. So understand, when we pray for the nation, that is a big task, but we're not just praying for the nation, we're praying for the world. Um, no longer will I ever go to, the, to vote and say, um, what's not going to raise my taxes? Ooh. It's not about me. Nope. It never was. It's about our Lord and his direction. And not only are we shaping this nation, we're shaping the world. Number one. Number two, uh, meditation. Uh, Pastor Robbie, this is beautiful. Um, my trip was much different than it has been before, as uh, you all probably know. And if you don't, um, the reason I do what I do is to have alone time with my God, um, totally free of any distraction. But it takes me to a place uh, that I find difficult to get to uh, in everyday life. Um, However, this this trip was not that way. There were many distractions, and I didn't have that uh, solidarity or that solitude. Um, But what the Lord spoke to me about is learn to hear me in the noise. Mm. Okay? So um, I ask and I pray that for my congregation as well. And the way you do that is through meditation. So that's very, very good. Uh, Turn off the noise when you can. And then you will be able to hear him in the noise um, because you will certainly recognize that still small voice. Okay, enough preaching. Let's sing. let's sing. Let's sing sing to our Lord. And as we sing, we first, we first come to our God with thanksgiving yes. and love, and we just raise him up through praise and worship before we ask anything for ourselves um, or have any other direction. So let's do that now. One. Three, four.
1: Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you, I want to find you, in every season, every moment. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart and sing you I want to sneak you, I want to seek you first, I want to keep you, I want to keep you first, more than anything I want, I want you first. Go a word, let me hear your voice. And in the midst of pain, let me feel your joy. I want to know you, I want to find you in every season, in every moment. Before I speak a word, I will bring my heart. I wanna seek you I wanna seek you Nothing nothing. i uh-huh.
0: First in our thoughts, first in our praise. Oh, thank you, Father God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father God. Glory, glory be your name, Father God. Glory, glory be your name, Father God. Glory, glory. Let's pray as our Father taught us.
1: Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom
4: come. Father, let your will be
1: Forgive the ones who sin against us,
4: forgive them,
1: and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us
4: from the evil
1: one. Let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Holy, holy. Father, let your On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive 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 us, forgive us. As we forgive the ones who sin against us, forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
4: Let your kingdom come,
1: Father, let your kingdom come. Holy, holy, holy. Father, let your will
0: On earth as
1: in heaven Let it be done Right here in my heart Father let your kingdom flow Father let your will be done On earth as in heaven Let it be done Right here in my heart It's yours, it's yours. yours All yours, all yours It's yours, it's yours, all yours. The all you the honor, honor all holy, the glory, worthy to be praised. We bless praise you, Father you, God. Praise glory, you, glory, holy,
0: you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy are glory. you, Lord. Holy. Amen. i uh-huh. Song. Hear our hearts, Lord. So come on, my soul.
1: Or don't you get shy of me to lift up your song. Cause you
2: you we do honor you and we bless you with all spiritual blessings father we just oh we just bless you with all power might dominion father with all glory and honor father we just give you glory we give you honor and father as we approach your word this morning father we approach it humbly we we approach the word with reverent fear and father god i just ask that you get this Revelation, you get this understanding down into the hearts of your people. Penetrate, Father, for the word is quick and sharp and well able to divide spirit, soul, and body. And so, Father, I ask that as the word is proclaimed under the gifting, under the anointing, and under the unction, that, Father, that word goes out and it splits and it divides and it conquers the the wrong thinking of the mind. And, Father, I ask that this word gets down into the spirit and creates that well of life that's on the inside to begin to bubble up and boil over with just excitement of who we are in you. And, Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Now, Satan, once again, we put you in remembrance that you are bound from this house. You have no right to operate on this property. You have no right to operate in this house. This is a house of freedom. From your, from your torments, this is a house of freedom. From your harassments, this is a house of freedom. From all that you bring upon the people. And Father, we declare it. Father, we thank you that the angels are, are, are charged round about protecting and bringing the supply of the anointing to the house this morning. Father, we know that the angels cannot declare the word, but they can minister the anointing. And so, Father, we thank you for the anointing being ministered in this place this morning and being administered through the airways, through the online service. And, Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Um, I've got to be obedient to the Lord. I, I didn't read the list that I gave you. And I said, well, we'll deal with that more next week. And the Lord said, no, I told you to do it today. So I'm going to go over it just real quick and easy. Um, we're believing for, this is what, you know, everything that we do in this house is based on prayer. Uh, I want you to go to Psalms. Psalms 127. um uh, we base, we base our ministry on, you know, when you find somebody that has good success in spiritual things, it's good to follow their example. And so, uh, it were uh, and, and uh, Kenneth Hagan established his life and his ministry upon the word, and therefore, it's good for us to do the same thing. And I encourage you to build your life on this scripture as well. Psalms 127, every, every, in my opinion, every Christian should know this particular verse, and should base their life upon it. Psalms 127 except the Lord build the house. Listen to me. You can go get a job doing anything, you're capable. But unless the Lord blesses you and enables you in what you choose to do, you're going to fight trouble and toil all the days of your life in what you, in what you endeavor to do. Uh, you want to get God's plan. You want, and, God, and, and here's the deal. It's not God's plan that every person on the planet be a doctor, lawyer, or politician. That's not God's plan. You know what? God needs plumbers. God needs contractors. God needs technical people, computer people. God needs people to work in administration areas. God needs people. Believe it or not, God, pe- God needs people to get out there and dig ditches. If we didn't have ditch diggers, we- don't you know the water would be an issue for us? So you've got to get out there and you've got to get God's plan. And because and, and, this is what he says, except the Lord build your house. Your your physical body is your house. It's the house of the Holy Ghost. But how much, you know, you live a ho- you, you have a house that you live in. Get the house that God has for you. Don't just go get a house just because you like it. Go get a house that God has for you. Listen, we, you know, we moved into a new house, you know, a little over a year ago. And uh, it was not the house we were looking for. In my mind, I wanted a four-bedroom. That's what I wanted. In my mind, I wanted a four-bedroom. In my mind, I wanted a, a, a bigger yard. In my mind, I wanted, you know, some a, a, a lot of a lot of a, a tremendous amount of kitchen cabinets. I mean, you know, if you've been in my house, it don't have a whole lot of kitchen cabinets. It's got a really big pantry. That's amazing. It's a walkthrough. but right there at the kitchen, there's not a lot of countertop. Which in my old house, that was a big downgrade for us. But I've learned something in my age. I like the smaller kitchen because cause I don't get quite the workout. In my old kitchen, i got a workout. You get done cooking the meal, and you're like, man, I'm too tired to eat. Now my, everything's right there now. But how much do you? We prayed, and we believed God for the house, and it's perfect. Does it have four bedrooms? Lord, no, it's got two. <laughs> it's got two. But it's got a cottage that you can sleep for people in fairly easily. And so I said, well, Lord, that'll work just fine. Uh, so how much do you know? You want to get God's house. You want to get in God's church. Listen, there's a lot of good churches out there even in this community. There's a lot of good pastors. But you got to get into the pastor that God has for you. you got to get in the church that God has for you. And let me tell you something. If you're staying out of the church because of the hypocrites, well, you're one of the hypocrites. Sorry. And I can say it because I was one of them for 12 years. I left the church. I put my, turned my eyes to the Lord, and I told him. I said, Father, God is a punky teenager, thought I was smarter than the world, figured out I was not smart at all. I looked, up at the God, I looked up at the world and said, God, I'll love you all the days of my life, but I don't want nothing to do with your people. They're a bunch of sorry, hypocritical, mean people, and I want nothing to do with them. And out into the world I went, and man, Satan ate my lunch. And and, and when I came back, I told the Lord. When the Lord got my attention, I said, I still have that hypocrite issue. And you know what I learned? I was reading, I started in Matthew, and I was reading the sermon on, on the mount. And you know what I found out? Jesus looked at his people, and he called them hypocrites continually. You hypocrite. Whoa, hypocrite. Whoa. Called them hypocrites repeatedly. So here I was as a teenager thinking I was telling God something he didn't already know. Jesus was already telling them 400 years ago they were hypocrites. Or 2,000 years ago, I should have said. And uh, he called them hypocrites. He called them vipers, which are very poisonous snakes. He called them children of their father, the devil. He did. And you know what? He went to the cross and died for them willingly, anyways. So if he went to the cross and died for them willingly, who am I to reject them? That's what got my attention. I'm telling you, that's what got my attention. That's what brought me back into the church. So uh, one thing that the Lord me so so one thing that the Lord wants us to talk about today is uh, why there's hypocrisy in the church and how to get rid of it. Why it's there and how to get rid of it. But before we do that, I want to go over this paper that I I I had Zach pass out. What we're believing for is the church. Well, let me finish reading this scripture. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Do you want to labor all the days of your life? I mean, if you're going to work, don't you want to work for something? Don't you want to achieve something in life? Don't you want to leave out of here and leave your mark, so to speak? Well, the only way that you're going to leave an everlasting mark is to do it through God. That's the only way. That's the only way. He said, uh, "He said, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. How much you know? Unless the Lord's got watch over your house and is protecting the house, you can get up and try to protect it from robbers all day long, and it ain't going to work. You want God on your side. So we, we establish our lives. Pastor Mike and I establish our life on this scripture, and we establish the ministry on this scripture, and so we've been praying and talking to the Lord. And this is the first time I've said, okay, church, this is what we're believing for as a church. Because, this, you know, because we got to take time getting together. You know, you know, we're still a young church. We're only three and a half years old. And uh, so we're still a young church, and it takes time to get together. It takes time to, to, to build a, a um, connection with one another and to get used to one another and get, each other, and to get everybody into some familiar level of faith. And so I think we've achieved that because now the Lord said, now I want you to tell them this is what we're believing for. Now, um, if you're not quite there, just believe for what you can believe for. Just believe for what you can believe for. If you can't believe on 25 church members in the house, just believe for one. Just believe for one more. If everybody believes for one more, we'll hit the 25 real quick. So what we're believing for is 20, when when I say 25 in-house church members, that means every time the door is open, there's 25 people here faithfully every week, every service. That's what we're believing for. It's not a huge number. It's not a great big jump. It's something that's very easy for God to do. I assure you that we have way more than that online. And a lot of them are close to the area. They just need to come on in the house. And there's other ones that God's talking to that aren't online, but he's talking to them. But see, here's the deal. God can't do anything unless we ask. So this is what we begin to ask for. We're not putting now, I wanted, because I want to talk about some money here in a minute. I'm not putting any pressure on any person. This is not man's response. This church is not man's responsibility to fund. This ministry is God's ministry, and he will fund it. How he funds it is he lays it on the hearts of people to give. We don't put any pressure on anybody. Personally, this is a, this is an amount that the Lord dealt with me about about close to going on three years now, three years ago now that I've been building my faith on and working my faith on because I believe God for big things. I believe for our houses to be paid off. Our houses are completely paid off. I believe to, to, for a brand new car paid cash for it. I. I have paid, I have believed God for big money. However, I've never really believed God for an exact dollar amount on a continual basis. But it seemed odd to me. This is how my brain works. It was odd to me to go, well, God, I, I know you paid off my houses, and I know you paid off my car, and you paid off this bill, and you've done this, and you've done that, but now I just need to believe you just for a dollar. It just seemed weird to me. And so I was talking to the Lord about it, and I said, Lord, I need a dollar amount, and I know I can believe big, but I need something I need something that's going to stretch my faith, but yet with, is within the grasp of my faith. And so I was seeking the Lord on this for probably six months to a year. I, I was. And uh, all of a sudden, one afternoon, I was just messing around, pulling on the house, and what have you? And all the story, all of a sudden, the Lord turned my attention to something, and he said, that right there. I heard it just plain as day, like he was standing next to me. He said, that right there. And I said, excuse me? He said, that right there. That's what I want you to believe for. And I said, really, that, Lord? And he said, yeah, I want you to believe for that. Well, what it come down to was it comes out to about a $1,000 a day increase, personally, personally. That's for us. And it's not to be greedy, and it's not about getting money. Because, honestly, I have all of it spent for the kingdom of God before we ever use a dime of it. And I have every bit of it spent on the kingdom of God. I'm like, we, I'm like, God, if we had that, we could do this for that person. We could do this for that person. We could do this outreach. We could do this. We could do that. And, like, and God's like, are you going to take care of you? And I'm like, oh, well, that would be a good idea. Because um, that's just where my heart is. So so just what I have my faith set on personally, we could take care of the church's budget. Honestly. But if you're not there, you're not there. If you're like, well, Pastor, I'm believing for 50 cents. Well, then, honey, just believe for your 50 cent and come on. Just come on. We're not putting any pressure on anybody. Um, but we are believing. So in this house, we have a house full of givers. Uh, You know, we've got 100% uh, tithing rate and giving rate, which is unheard of in the church today, but we do. And and that's just the love of God. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to believe for for the same rate, 100% online giving rate, which means that 100% of the people that listen faithfully to us online will sow something into the ministry. Now I'm not putting in now if you listen to us online and you hear this and you think, "Oh, there they go. They want my money." Keep your money in your pocket. Keep your money in your pocket. All I'm saying is I'm giving God something to work with. I'm saying, "God, we're going to believe for the 100% giving rate." Now you go get now you you and the angels go make whatever comes comes. And so there's no pressure. This is just what we're believing God for. Next week we will go over the month uh, over all of the expenses. But to pay the basic church bills, to pay the basic bills to take care of the basic needs of the church, the church requires about $5,100 a month, and we make it every month. We do. We make it every month. Uh, We actually make extra every month. So we're stretching our monthly budget to $8,000 a month. That's what we're believing for. Now, I know there's a lot of you in the house that are believing for Pastor Michael and I to get paid by the church, and I love that and I appreciate that. But here's what, I just, here's what I'm going to ask you to pray just pray that God makes us a blessing so that we can be a blessing. Just that He makes us a blessing so that we can be a blessing because that's our heart. If He takes care of us outside of the church with the $1,000 a day increase, because we're not believing for that to come from the church. We're believing for that $1,000 a day to come from an outside source. I want you to understand that. We're not believing for that from the church. We're believing that from the outside of the church so that we can bless this ministry and other ministries. So that's what we're believing for. We're also believing that all nine gifts of the Spirit be in operation and manifestation on a continual basis. On a continual basis. I didn't put that on there, but that's what we're believing for. And then the last thing, which looks like it's a lot, but really it's not, um, we're believing for God has every person in the body of Christ is part of the ministry of helps. And God anoints and he appoints and he ordains every single person in the church for a job or a task in the ministry of helps. And he anoints you and he appoints you and he ordains you in a specific area so that that area can be done with excellence. And so we already have people that have a heart for children. We have people in here that have a heart for nursery and a heart for children and a heart for music and a heart for ushering and all of these areas, but you all need help. You all need help. So what we're believing for is God called, anointed, and appointed, and ordained helps ministers in every area of the church, this includes the nursery, the children's, the, year, the youth, the worship team, uh, the technical team both for in-house and online because they technically need three people back there in every service minimum. And then we need people that do stuff after hours. Um, and then um, the ushers, believe it or not, the ushers are those that take care of the house. So this includes the custodians, the grounds people, the, fellow, the people that oversee fellowships, um, administrations, congregational needs, just all of these areas. So that's what we're believing for. Is So here's the here's best way to do this. Rather than stretch your faith, like I know Zach, his heart is for ushering. Zach, rather than believe for every area, he can just put his faith on more ushers. You know, Miss Deborah has a heart for nursery. She can put her heart on the, she can put her prayers on the nurseries. Miss Jackie has a heart for the children and also for the maintenance. James and Sue have a heart for maintenance. So whatever area you're in that speaks to you, you're going to be the one that's going to pray that out most effectively. So that's what we're believing for. Um, So I just wanted to share that. So hook up your faith where you can hook your faith up in. And that's what that's that's about. Like I said, next week we'll go over the finances more directly and, talk about it a little bit more detailed. Um, But the Lord just has been dealing with me and Pastor Mike about getting this information to you uh, because it's time uh, really for us to start growing. It is. It's time for us to start growing. We're settled. We've got a good core. We've got a good foundation. We're not dealing with drama all the time. You guys know how to stand up with God. You know how to pray your way through some situations. We know how to do this. We know how to... We we know how to help one another. So now it's time for us to push growth. So glory to God. So that's what we're doing. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we were gonna we're gonna talk about for the third week. We're gonna talk about it again. Uh, we're gonna talk about your position, understanding and knowing your position, knowing who you truly are. And I said we're gonna deal with the hypocrisy in the church and the reason that there is so much. Hypocrisy in the, Christ, in the body of Christ is because Christians don't know who they are. Because Christians have received Jesus as nothing more than Savior, and they have not made him Lord. Because if Jesus is Lord, all the hypocrisy would go out the window. It would. The hypocrisy would go out the window. If we would all be doers of the word then we wouldn't have this, then, then this hypocritical issue that's been going on since the beginning of time would not be there. It wouldn't be. Um, well, weren't you ever a hypocritical Christian? Yes. Uh, do you never, are you never a hypocrite? Well, no, honestly. I'm sure there's times that I say one thing and behave differently. But what makes it different is when I realize I've made that mistake is I repent. And I don't just repent to God, but I'll even repent to the person. I'll even go to the person and say, listen, my behavior was wrong. My behavior was bad. I shouldn't have taken that attitude. I shouldn't have talked that way. I shouldn't have behaved that way. I lost my witness. Please forgive me. And then I will attend and I will work very, very hard to not behave that way again. So we have to understand who we are as a a Christian. And it starts with Romans chapter 10. It starts in Romans, chapter 10. So let's go there. Romans, chapter 10. Romans 10. Well y'all go there? I'm just listening to the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to back up here. brought up this scripture last week so y'all hold your splouts right here in Romans 10 and uh, we're going to look at Ezekiel they can bring it up on the board Ezekiel 36 and 14 Ezekiel 36 and 14 they will bring that up for us Ezekiel 36 verse 14 and here he says now this is this is right after Ezekiel prophesies to the dry bones and God tells him to say this. He says, Therefore thou shalt. Well, that's to give you the wrong verse. Hold on. It's 37. I'm sorry, I looked at the top of my page. I didn't see that we flipped chapters. 37, 14. Just kidding. I thought, well, that's not right. <laughs> and, uh, and this is what God told Ezekiel to prophesy. He said, And shall put my spirit in you. And you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. God said in the Old Testament he was prophesying to these dry bones, but it's a type and shadow of what he was going to do in the New Covenant. And so part of the New Covenant promise is that God's going to put his spirit in us, and he's going to cause us to live, and he's going to place us in in a brand new land. Then there's a colon there, and he says, then shall you know that I that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have performed it, saith the Lord. When you come into Jesus, when you come into Christ, when you become born again, when you become that new creature in Christ, then then what happens is God's spirit comes and he lives on the inside of you and your and your place of residence is no longer the earth but heaven. You immediately become a spirit citizen of heaven a citizen of heaven well I'm not in heaven I'm on the earth well of course you're on the earth you're visiting the earth but your homeland your home country is heaven that's the home place is heaven and wherever you go how much do how much do you know um, when people well let's just be real honest and if you're from Florida no offense but I've been here long enough to know what Murphy was like before we got invaded by all these people from Florida. And now we've been invaded by people from New York and New Jersey and everywhere. Yeah, the Northeast. I mean, everywhere. We've been invaded. We've been invaded. But how much, and what do we, and if you've been around here long enough, what we do all know is that when these people came into our community, they brought their stuff with them. They brought their attitude. They brought their alcohol. They brought their party in. They brought their filth and disgust the very thing that they were trying to get away from. They brought with them because they because they're creatures of the flesh. Now I don't have anything against them. I'm just like, but listen, this community belongs to Jesus. This community is still very much so a Jesus community. I've seen people get on social media and, and get on there and they say, "Hey, where y'all go partying at around here?" And they're all and everybody gets on there and says, "The church, yeah. go find yourself a Holy Ghost church. We go hang out there. Where do you make friends at? Church? Yep. Church. Right. If you want to get connected to the locals, get to the church. Yep. <laughs> How much do you know? Why? Because because ch- church is home. So just, so even though we're on the earth, what we need to do is bring heaven, which is home, to the earth where we live. Do you understand? I'm not being, I, listen, once upon a time, I was a Floridian. But when I came, I left my Florida behind and said, man, this is fresh and new, and I like it, and it can just stay just the way it is. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happened. But we're working to bring it back. We're working to bring it back. You know, J- Jesus, go to Matthew chapter 4. I mean, yeah, no, chapter 3. Chapter 3, chapter 4. Go to Matthew. front to Matthew. We'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there, right? Again, we're going without notes for the third week. Come on, y'all. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost do this. Yes, Matthew 4. I had it right. See, spirit knows the mind doubts. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. First book of the New Covenant, Matthew chapter 4, after all the begots, (laughs) Jesus, uh, here Jesus uh, was baptized in the River Jordan. Uh, He went and took on the devil after he spent much time with God and won. Do you notice that? Jesus took on the devil and won. Glory to God. gets down to verse 17, and it says this, It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Jesus never preached a single sermon until he was endued with power from on high by the Holy Ghost. Okay? You need the Holy Ghost to walk this walk. Even Jesus, the Word made flesh, needed the Holy Ghost to walk the walk of of upright living. And it says, and this is what Jesus said. He said, repent, repent. That word repent means change. Change the way you think. Change the way you talk. Change the way you act. Change the way you behave. Change. So when we come into Christ, we need to change. And the reason that there's so much hypocrisy in the church is because people did not change. They received Jesus as Savior, but they did not change. And so when we receive Jesus, we need to change, because that's what Jesus said, us, said for us to do, is change. And then he told us, look, there's a colon there. And he tells us why we need to change. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's touchable. In other words, we can come in contact with it. If something is at hand, it means that you can reach out and grab it and bring it to you. So heaven is not our future. Heaven is available now. It's available now. But we don't understand that it's available now. And honestly, I blame the preachers. Because the preachers didn't understand that it's available now. Now, honestly, they preached the best that they knew to preach, and they preached within their understanding. But somehow we went from making Jesus Lord to making him nothing more than Savior. We've made him like the Monopoly card that's the uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. We've made Jesus the get-out-of-hell-free card. That's all we've made him. But he's so much more. He's made it so that we can change our thinking. He's made it so we can change our behavior. He's made it so that we can change our walk. He's made it so that we can reach out and pull heaven to us and have heaven here with us and walk in heaven now. We're not supposed to be down. We're not supposed to be glum. We're not supposed to be just giving up. We're not supposed to want to check out. We're not supposed to want to just quit and give up. No, we're supposed to pour heaven down and we're supposed to walk in kingly authority, power, might, and dominion because Christ died so that we could but we don't understand it because we don't, but we don't walk in it because we don't understand our position. Now let's go to Romans 10. So when does he put his spirit into us? When are we made alive? When do we come into Christ? It's so easy. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10:9, and it says this, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that god has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved so we so it's because it's because of the last little quarter or the last little four words of that verse that we went from jesus being lord to jesus being savior now that word saved is a very interesting word that word saved in this verse is the word sozo s-o-z-o but it's it, you pronounce it like it's s o d z o, but it's sozo, and it means to be made completely whole and completely rescued spirit, soul, body, and emotion. It means every part of you. I use it this way. you know we've got the we've got the the rapids, we've got the Nanahala Gorge over here, and we've got the Akowi Gorge this way. And both of them have uh, fours and five rapids. I think the Nanalhila only has one five. Uh, the Akoi has several. And uh, every few years, unfortunately, somebody ends up going out of the boat on, Oco- on the Akoi and getting uh, severely injured, and a lot of them, and, and some of them even die, because they're not doing things the way they're supposed to be doing them. Okay, so. So it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous uh, thing. But how much, you know, when they fall out of the boat, if they get rescued, but they're injured for life, did they truly get saved or did they get rescued? Think about it. If, you, if, if they come out of the water and they still got their life, but they're permanently injured, then they were rescued. But if they can get out of the water and they're perfectly healthy and whole, with no injury, with no lasting effects, how much do you know? That's saved. That's saved, and that's the indication that this word "saved" here is that when Jesus saves you, it's a hundred percent complete work. This is why somebody. This is why a lot of times, if you can get somebody uh, healed, uh, if you can get a non-believer healed. Uh, went through the through the power of jesus then then what will follow is they'll get saved because they'll go wow if they if he can heal me then surely he can save me because healing in a lot of respects getting healing is actually more complicated than getting saved you know getting that completely whole so here G. so here he said but notice, there's, a, but, but he didn't just say if you'll, he didn't say if you'll reach out and grab the life rope of Jesus. He said, he said "If you'll confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus." Now, let me make something very clear because the Lord's been talking to me this week. If you've only made Jesus Savior and you're living in this, and you're living a relatively clean life, you're still going to heaven. Let me make this clear. If you're living a relatively clean life and, and Jesus is your Savior, you're still going to make heaven because God is a very good God. He's full of mercy and he's full of grace. And our salvation is not, is not weak. Our salvation is not flimsy. Our, our, our salvation is not, um, uh, oh, Holy Ghost, bring me the word. It's not conditional. Uh, well, to some degree. Uh, it's not fragile. That's the word I was looking for. Our salvation is not fragile. Our, our salvation is not fragile. God is very much so a very loving God and a very compassionate God. Think about this. If, you're, if you commit a small crime and you have to go before the judge, doesn't, if it's your first offense, doesn't the judge, even in the natural, have leniency on you? You know, how here's a little fine, here's a little community service, here's a little something, uh, maybe a little slap on the wrist. You might you might even walk away with just a good lecture from the judge. Right? But each time you keep coming back to the court, how you, how much do you know the penalty gets a little stiffer? It gets a little stiffer, it gets a little stiffer. Well, God's a, where do we think where do you think we got this idea from? From the Father. So so if you've only received Jesus as Savior. You're you're still you you've still got your ticket punched to heaven so to speak, but Jesus came for you to have so much more. Go to John ten ten. Go to John ten ten. Listening to the Holy Ghost. Big John. John ten. Y'all gonna find out that that I do know how to read the words. Just Michael's anointed a little differently than I am. (laughs) John ten ten says the thief, the thief, which is Satan, the enemy, the adversary, the devil, whatever word you want to use. The thief cometh not. Here's the only reason that Satan comes. He Satan does not come to love you. Satan does not come to give you a good life. Satan does not come to give you all the desires of your heart, although he'll make you think that. He comes for this purpose, and the, for these purposes, and only these purposes. He and these are the words of Jesus. How much do you know? If anybody knows Satan's heart, Jesus knows it. He said, "The thief come. And why did? And here, here's a little side note. Why did Jesus call him a thief? This is what he is. How much do you know when Lucifer was in heaven before he fell, he was trying to steal the throne of God? He was trying to steal the throne of God. How much do you know when the thief went into the garden and overtook the serpent and talked to Eve and Adam through the serpent, how much do you know he was out to steal and did accomplish stealing the authority, power, might, and dominion of the earth? He did. He did. So he is very much so a thief. He says, "The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and to destroy." Now I find it interesting that most Christians can quote that section of the verse without any problem. But then you ask people, "Well, what's the rest of that verse?" and they go, "What?" Wait, what? Because Jesus was not Jesus is not about exalting the devil. But notice there's a colon, and he said, because he wants you to understand the difference between himself and the enemy. He said, I am come. Here's why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to lovey-dovey everybody and accept every person in their sin. He came for this person. He said, I have come that they might have life. Who is they? Mankind. Humanity. But notice it says he said that they what might might, which tells us that Jesus come, that Satan comes, he doesn't care if you have if he has entitlement or not. He's coming to steal. He's coming to kill. He's coming to destroy. If he's got a crack he can get through, he's going to do it, whether you want him to or not. But Jesus comes because he's a perfect gentleman, and I love what Derek said this morning. He said, you know, he said. I got to thinking about this confession, and he said, and I'm just, he said, it's just words on a page. He said, I'm not, really what he told me in the office is, he said, Pastor, I knew I wasn't connecting with it. And, he, so, he asked, and so he did something brilliant. Now, a lot of times people don't get answers to their questions because they never ask the Father. The Father God is a perfect gentleman, and he will not give you the answer to the question if you never take the time to ask him. You have to ask God. That was such a mind-boggling thing to me when I first came into crisis. What do you mean I have to ask him? I don't even know what to ask him. And you mean I have to ask him? Well, he'll lead you to ask him. So, so Derek and I were in the office, and Derek said, well, Pastor, I, he said, I was going to ask this question. He said, because I'm just not connecting. He, he said, he said honestly, I want, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was this new confession. And I said, oh, really? What's that? He said, well, he was so funny. He said, I'll just go ahead and tell on myself. He said, I was going to ask you, why am I not connecting with this thing? He said, the old confession, he said, I had it down in me. It was real to me. I connected with it. I could get it out. It was good. He said, I'm not connecting with this. And I said, okay. And he said, but I talked to the Lord about it first. He said, I thought I'd ask God first. Why, why am I, what's the problem? He said, so I went to God, and I said, okay, God. He said, God, I was connected with this one. I can't, do, why am I not connected with this? And he went, and, you know, Derek, he's like, you know, like, you know, all calm and everything. And he said, he said, I no sooner got the words out of my mouth. How much, you know, God was sitting on the edge of his throne waiting for the question. Yeah. Have you ever been sitting on the edge of your seat just saying, come on, open the door. Come on, just open the door. Well, God was right there waiting for Derek to open the door to ask the question. And before Derek even finished getting the question out, he said, I heard it so she He said, I no sooner got the words out of my mouth. But then I heard the Spirit of God so clearly. He said, Derek, it's because you don't believe it. And Derek said, I went, oh, meltdown. Oh, Jesus. Oh, meltdown. Because you don't believe it. So so you know we've got to get this might down. And so 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 really what the Lord was telling Derek no he wasn't the Lord wasn't beating up on Derek. He wasn't being mean to Derek. In any way, in any way shape or form. What's he doing? He 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 wanted to make sure Derek got the answer so clearly, so precisely. He didn't even have time to question it. So he knew what the problem was because Jesus came for this purpose. He says, "Derek, I want you, I came so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, not just life, not just more life, but life more abundantly. But is completely dependent upon you. It's completely dependent upon me. It's completely dependent. Brianna asked me this morning, how do you get to that place where you're just happy with life? Because she's, you know, when you get out of high school, listen, when you start to step into adulthood, these young people will tell you, as you, uh, us old people will tell you this too, at some point, at some point, you begin to realize it's not about other people because you can't make other people happy all the time. If you're trying to chase people around and make people happy, all you're going to do is make yourself miserable because you can never achieve that goal. So at some point, you've got to get to the place where you're okay with you. Where you're happy with you. At some point, you've got to get good with you. Well, I tried to get good with me, and I couldn't do it. But when I thought, and I, and I, and I, and I was 27, 28, and I was miserable, and I was broken, and I was at the bottom of everything. I was so far from who God created me to be that I couldn't even recognize myself, and I couldn't find joy anywhere. So I had enough sense, and I had enough ability to say, God, my way is not working. My way ain't getting the job done. I've tried it my way, and that doesn't work. I've tried it the devil's way, and that surely doesn't work. So, Lord, you're the only one left. (laughs) So maybe we ought to do this thing your way. So I sat down with the word. This was my approach is, okay, Lord, what's wrong with me? And now I didn't understand repenting at this time. You had to understand I had no under I didn't even know what the word repent was because they don't teach the repent. Do they- Mom, do they even teach that word in the Episcopal church to your knowledge? To my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong. If there's an Episcopal out there, you can come correct me if I'm wrong. But in my experience, the word repent's not even taught in the Episcopal Church. I, I didn't even know what it was. But I had enough sense somehow on the inside. It was the mercy of God to know that I needed to change. I needed to change my thinking. I needed to change my behavior. I needed to change my approach. I needed to change. So I began to attack the word, looking to figure out what did I need to change? How did I need to change? What could I change to make things better? And it started with, make Jesus Lord. And then I saw that he said, change. And I thought, well, Lord, that's why I'm here. I'm here to change. So if you're dissatisfied with where you're at, now I've heard this definition, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. Um, so let's not do that. Let's do something different so we can get different results, right? So if you want to get different results, if you, want to get the, if you don't like hypocrisy in the church, then change it. And, and the change starts with you. If you, don't like, if you don't like the emotional roller coaster, then change it. Get a hold of your emotions. Instead of your emotions controlling you, you begin to grab your emotions and say, no, we're not doing this today. We're not doing this today. We're not doing the pity party today. We're not doing the cry session today. Now, you stop it. Now, that's hard. Now, you men may not understand that, but us women who are given to tears, it's hard to suck those things back in sometimes. It takes some effort. takes some work. And then when you think you get control of it and somebody pushes that button and you ain't got control anymore, then that just makes you mad. And then you cry because you're mad. No, you've got to get control over these things. I'm telling you by experience, life is a thousand times better when you learn to control the flesh when you change according to God. Well, I can't change in my own power, might, and ability. You're 100% right. That's why you need the Father God. Now, how do we get the abundant life? I'm so glad you asked. It goes right back to Romans 10, 9. Let's go back and look at it again. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, right then shall believe where in your heart does this mean in your head no you can have problems in your head and still believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead now does that say that you have to completely understand how that works this is a good thing you just have to trust in your heart that, you, that, that he did raise him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. Now, go to, so we understand this, so now let's go to, oh, come on, let's go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Once we receive Jesus as our Lord, really, if you receive him as Savior, this takes place. But you won't know and understand that this takes place if Jesus is nothing more than Savior. And that's why I'm really pushing this point about Lord is because I'm trying to get you to a place where you understand what takes place when you allow Jesus to do everything in you that he wants to do. Jackie can testify by experience that Jesus is nothing more than Savior, your get out of hell free card, that it's incredibly hard to put the flesh down. It's incredibly hard because what you have to understand is that Jesus is Lord and he's given you the power, might, and ability to overcome every sin. He's the one that gives you the ability. He's the one that makes you able to walk the walk. He's the one. Do what, honey? You don't. She said it. You don't have the ability of your own. And that's what so many people are trying to do they say i believe in jesus now let me clean myself have you ever seen a fish do i have any fish? I, we got fishers in the house right we got a couple of people that like to fish let me ask you guys that like to fish is there ever been an occasion where you pulled the fish out of the water and the fish cleaned and gutted itself no
1: <laughs> they laughed
2: at me they laughed at me but how much do you? That's what we as Christians are trying to do. We've been hooked by Jesus, and now we're going to gut and clean ourselves and get ourselves ready for the fire. Like, that doesn't even make sense. That's hot off the wire. I never heard that before. I think I'll keep that in the I think I'll keep that one, Jesus. That one's pretty good. I thought it, Jesus. Right? No. You gotta come in the house and let the fishermen, let the Jesus clean you. Let him take care of you. Let him gut you. Let him pull out all of that old filth. Let him pull out all those bad habits. You gotta work with him on this. How much do you know? You are now in Jesus's. Uh, what do they call that? The fish cooler? Is there a special name for that thing? A what? A creel. That's what they call it. The little basket, the little cool they keep the fish in. Well now you're in Jesus's creel. So you're in that. You're in that keeper. You're in the cool. Listen, for us rednecks, you're in the cooler. <laughs> you're in the cooler. You've been put in the ice chest. Come on. You're swimming around in there. Now, you got, now Jesus got to reach in there and get you and clean you up and get you looking all pretty and get you looking all good. And it's a process. It's a process. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a process. You've got to let Jesus process you. <laughs> Come on. If you can't have a good laugh in the church, there's something wrong. Come on. He's the creator of laughter. He's the creator of joy. Come on, He's the creator of it. Praise God, He got the revelation. Thank you Jesus. Second Corinthians 5: 5, Second 5, Corinthians 5:17. y'all, come on, 5:17. come on. Uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, Let's just do it this way. If any man be in Christ's cooler, if you'd be in the fish krill. if you'd be in the thing where the, where the, where the, where the fishermen can now take care of you and clean you and fix you up. Woo! Now, I used to do, listen, I, I used to work in the pet industry, and I used to work with aquariums and all that. And you know that a lot of these fish, yeah, they breed them in captivity, but a lot of them they catch in the wild still. And you know that when they bring them in before they can... Before they can uh, put them in the stores and sell them, they have to put them through an through a, uh, uh, acclimation process. You know, they've got, to go through, they, they've got to go through a quarantine period where they get all the sicknesses and diseases off of them. And then they have to acclimate them to the new waters and into the new aquariums. This is really big with the corals with the coral reefs and all that, and you got to handle them just so because if they come in contact with your skin, with the oils and things in your skin, it will actually kill the coral reefs. If you ever go snorkeling or scuba diving, you can't actually touch the reefs with your actual bare skin because you'll actually kill part of the reef. Um, so, so there's an acclamation period when you go from living over here to living over here. Well, guess what? There's an acclamation period for going in the world and coming into the body of Christ. There's an acclamation period, which means that, oh Lord Jesus, I'm talking, oh, 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 I'm a heart, it's, oh Lord. Which means you're going to go through a period of isolation and quarantine. You're going to go through a lonely period. You're going to go through it, but it's not to hurt you. It's to help you. It's to get the weight, the filth, and the dirt of the world off of you so that you can walk in heaven on the earth. That's part of being in Christ is you've got to learn to be okay being alone. You've got to learn to walk with just you and Jesus. Because until you learn to walk with you and Jesus, the world will pull you to and fro. So you've got to learn to say, oh, I'm good with Jesus. I'm good to be all right. I'm good to be okay. So he said, therefore, if, if. Notice that that word is if there, which means it's your choice. You get to choose to be in Christ. How much do you know it was that fish's choice to bite that bait and to take that hook? How much do you know you can get a fish on the line, but they don't always stay on the line? They don't always stay on the line. Some of them have even gotten on the line, gotten in the boat, and then said, "Uh, no, thank you, and out we go. That happens, too. Well, guess what? That happens with Christians. You can walk with God for years and then throw up your hands and say, nope, I'm done. And it happens. And it's going to be happening more and more as we get closer and closer to Christ. Because the Bible says in the last days, many will depart from the faith. Which means in order to depart from the faith, you had to be in the faith to begin with. So listen to me, church. When your Christian friends, your Christian family begins to waver and pull away from Christ, don't go with them. Don't get to thinking that, well, maybe we're wrong. No, we're not wrong. We're right. Stay in Christ. It's up to you. It's your choice to stay in Christ. And it's also your choice as to how much in Christ you're aware of. It's up to you. It's up to you as to how much uh, you respond to being in Christ. So when you become born again, when you receive Jesus, instantly that's the moment that he puts his spirit in you. And that's instantly the moment the real you comes alive onto him. And it's down on the inside. That's the moment that you come to Christ. Hold your place right here in 2 Corinthians and go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter eight. Well, I don't know if I believe that that's so, or how do I know if I'm in Christ? I'm so glad you asked. Romans chapter eight, verse sixteen. Romans eight sixteen. For the Spirit, I hate that this King James says itself. The Holy Spirit is is the third part of the Godhead. He is not in it. He is a him. The Spirit. Himself does what? Beareth witness with what? Our spirit. Now, let me help you. A lot of people, there's a lot of people that don't understand that in you is the real you, your spirit. They think that the only thing in them is the Holy Spirit. That's not true. The real you, look at what it says. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit. So on the inside of us is our spirit, the real us, the eternal part of us. And the Holy Spirit is connected through the spirit to our spirit and talks to our spirit and communes with our spirit and and communicates with our spirit. So on the inside of you, you have your spirit and you also have a connection to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and and resides in connection to your spirit for this purpose, that we are, it, it, one, one area is to bear witness that we, our spirit, the real us, is the child of God, the child of God. I can ask Brianna, I can ask Jackie, I can ask anybody in this room for the most part, uh, Brianna, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Do You got the spirit on the inside. She says, yeah, no hesitation. Zach, do you know it? Yes. James, you got it. Miss Sue, Miss Ann, Miss Brooke, you've got it. Richard's about to go, I got it, I got it. I got it, I got it. Yeah, why? Because that tells you. You just check down on the inside. Oh, wow. Well, guess what? That's the real you, honey. These poor young people, they get sick and tired of me saying, they'll come to me and I'll say, what's the real you say? What's the real you say? Well, I don't know. I haven't checked. Well, that's why, well, that's why you're in turmoil is because you haven't checked with the real you. You haven't checked with the real you. Why don't you check with the real you? it make your life a whole lot easier. He, he verifies with you that you are the child of God. Now, I've been talking about that there's two realms. In the spirit, or two kingdoms in the spirit. There's one spirit realm, but there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of Satan. Now, Satan was never supposed to have a kingdom. Satan, really what he has is not a kingdom. What he has is a prison that imitates and twists everything that the kingdom of God has. Everything that God has, Satan has an imitation for it, a counterfeit. God has uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that has what we refer to as drunk in the Holy Ghost. The the demons, Satan cannot—he cannot produce that effect of the Spirit within the flesh. What he has to use to create that counterfeit is drugs and alcohol. Now, when you get drunk in the Spirit, you don't get a hangover. However, when you get drunk in the flesh, you get, a, you get a counterfeit. You get a hangover. You get sickness and disease, especially if you get drunk in the flesh enough times. You see what I'm saying? Satan has, um, he does have the ability to, to do what looks like prophecy. He's not actually prophesying. Satan and the demons do not know the future. They're full of wisdom, which means they can connect the dots better than most humans. There's a real problem in the body of Christ that if it's supernatural, people automatically assume that it's God. That is a problem because not everything that happens on the earth is because of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that Satan is the god of this world and he can create a counterfeit. Yet just because... Just because somebody can act like and put on a presentation that they're casting out demons doesn't mean they are just because they have a word that there's no way for them to know it in the natural doesn't mean that god gave them that word god is a perfect gentleman and god is not going to snoop and get your bank account number and your address and your phone number and announce it to a congregation of a thousand plus people. That's the works of Satan. But people get all chilly. About, oh, there was no way for them to know. Well, um, obviously Satan knows all that information. He has access to everything. Um, how much do you know? He can. We've got to learn, y'all. We've got to learn that we're spirits alive unto God, and we've got the wisdom of God, and we can discern these things. And we don't have to look flaky, and we don't have to look fruity. There's no need to be walking through the airport and bump in what looks like perfectly clean air and go, Oh, my God, there's an angel. Stop it. You're causing the body of Christ to look like an idiot. Stop it. Walk normal, act normal, behave normal, but walk with the insider who can lead and guide you into all truth. Who can lead and guide you? How'd y'all get me over there? Who pulled me that way? Listen, we got to learn these things. No, there's a kingdom, there's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of Satan. And everything that Satan has is a counterfeit lies, deceptions, mirrors. It's all, it's all. It's all cloak and daggers and mirrors. It's all it is. Now, now there's power behind it. You have to understand that there is demonic power, but we're greater. We're greater. And notice in this scripture, he said that the spirit of God witnesses us with that we're a child. Because I have been saying to help you understand lordship. That in the kingdom of God, you are servant by choice. Really, you're so much higher than servant. Really, what you are is your child by choice. And when you're child by choice, you get absolutely everything that belongs in the house. You get all, you get all, the, you, you get all the wealth. You get all the wisdom. You get all the knowledge. You get all the prosperity. You get all the privileges of being the child. Now, a lot of times this causes problems for people because they didn't have good parents. They didn't have good parents. So if you had parents that were abusive to you, you're going to be like, I've had abusive parents, and if that's how God is, I don't want that. But you've got to learn that God is not that type of parent. God is an all-loving parent. God is a very caring parent. God is a very compassionate parent. Now, will God correct you when you need it? Yes. Will God uh, correct you harshly when you need it? Yes, because he loves you. But he's not going to beat you down and tear you down. He's going to tell you the truth. And then he's going to say, okay, now let's, let's clean up the tears. Let's get ourselves together and let us walk on. But we're in Christ. And when we come in Christ, then we have obtained everything that Jesus has obtained. Absolutely everything that Jesus has belongs to us. And that's why, you know, the confession that we do on Sunday mornings, we really need to take, you you guys really need to take it out once a day. You really need to take it out once a day. Honestly, I would do it more than that. But you need to take it out once a day and you need to go through it and you need to just just confess it. Confess it like you mean it. And over time, that will begin to grab a hold of you. Over time, you will begin. And listen, that's just a tiny little portion. Every time I read it, I don't have on there that you're a peculiar person, which means you're bought by the blood of the king. The highest king in the earth, in hell, in heaven, the highest king there's ever been and will ever be, bought you with his blood. That's what it means to be peculiar. You're not only a priest, but you're a royal priest you not only are you part of the nation or the generation or the the child or the family of God, but you're a holy child of God. I don't have on there that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe I do. Um, I don't have have it on there that you're the apple of his eye. I don't have it on there, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in there. I don't have it that you, you know, uh, there's just so many. You're the righteousness of God. You're the justified of God. You're, you're the redeemed of God. You're the blood of God. I mean, you just, oh my gosh, if you would just sit down with your in hymns, there's over 180 verses in the Bible that tell you who you are and what you have in Christ. Our confession is just a tiny little summary of it. But when you learn who you are in Christ, all of a sudden you can stand tall. All of a sudden you can roll your shoulders back and hold your head up high and you can and you can walk with some authority. You can walk with some bounce in your step. You can say when people say, "Well, who are you?" Uh, you can say, "I'm the child of the most high God. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I speak for the Lord for my Lord, my God. I I, I am I am an exal- I am I am. Listen, when you understand that you're in Christ that you represent Jesus, you are a, re- I am a representative of heaven. I am a, re- listen, I'm a representative of heaven. When I speak, all of heaven backs me up. When I speak to devils and demons, the, the warring angels come to a stance and they say, go ahead, make a move. Go ahead. Listen. We have all power. We have all authority. We have all might. We have all dominion. There's nothing for us to fear. Nothing. The worst thing that can happen, listen to me, the absolute worst thing that can happen is somebody can murder you. And guess what? That's a total win because, honestly, before that, before that blade ever hits you, Your spirit will be gone, and you'll be with the Father in heaven. He's not going to let you go through a last-second dying agony uh, just because you're going to be martyred for him. But here's the deal. You don't even have to be concerned about that because Jesus is going to keep you and walk you. He's going to keep you here because he needs you if you understand who you are in him. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5. Well, wait, stop right here. Hold on. We're right here in Romans 8. Look over here at verse 14. Look over here at verse 14. It said for, he said here, he says, for as many are as led by the Spirit of God. They are, the, they are the sons, we'll throw the girls into, and the daughters of God. How do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I'm heaven bound? How do I know that I'm walking with God? How do I know that I'm his son? How do I know that I'm his daughter? Because I choose my choice to walk according to the spirit on the inside. Because here's the deal, the spirit will lead you. You ever go to put your have you ever gone to put the buggy away the you know, you can you, you walk through the whole story, you got your buggy, you go to the car, you're tired, you put the stuff in the in the car and you go to put the buggy over here because you don't want to walk the twin or 15 paces to put it in the store or in the corral and you go to park it there and then there's something told me to go put it away. Let me tell you what the something is. It was not a something. It was a someone. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. You ever go, you ever, you, you ever start to, you, you're driving your car and you think, hmm, I'm going to go around this way today. Guess what? That's the Holy Ghost leading you. He may have just kept you from an accident and you won't ever know about it. You get, you get, you, you, you get out to your car and you go, huh, I wonder if I locked the door. And you think, I don't have time to go check it. No, if that came up in your spirit, get up and go check it because God's either, because the Holy Spirit's either trying to protect your house or He's trying to delay you to keep the roadway safe. So you've got to learn to be led. But you can't be led if you don't know who you are, if you don't know that you've got Christ on the inside, if you don't understand you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside. This is where being led. Listen, if we were led by our spirit, there would be no hypocrisy whatsoever. There would be none. Praise God. Praise God. If you didn't hear Richard, he said, there's times he comes in here going, i got a question. He said, I don't even get to answer. I don't even get to ask the question, and you end up answering it. That's being led by the Holy Ghost. But here's the deal. This isn't just a pastor anointing. This is a, this is a body of Christ ability. That's the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge in operation, and you don't even know it. I'll never forget, there was one time I preached before, years ago and uh, on a Wednesday night, and Bridget came to me after the service, and she said, has Mari talked to you? I said, well, I mean, we said hello and, you know, general greeting, but she said, no, I mean, like, had a conversation with you. And I said, no. And she said, Are you? she said you're sure? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, Wow. She said, the example you gave in your sermon tonight was an exact... She said, that's the exact situation he's dealing with with some people. And she said, and even the names you used are the names of the people he's dealing with. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. And I said, wow, that's interesting because I just picked two names out of of my hat. I just, just... Just two names. Just two names. Oh, these are the names. That's... (laughs) <laughs> Apparently they were. Listen, but this is, but see, I you, I can't do these things if I don't know who I am in Christ, Amen. and that's why I under, that's why I'm trying to get you to understand. This is who you are. You are a brand. Now let's go back to Second Corinthians. You are, he said. Therefore, if any man be, or actually that be is italicized, if any man. In Christ, in Christ, so if you have received Christ, to get the fullest, to walk in the fullest of the new man, let me put it this way, to walk, you can get saved and, and, and walk on barely get a by, get, barely get a by street. Barely get by street. Thank you. We'll get it right. You can walk on, you can walk on where I'm going to... Skin into heaven by the skid. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna skid in there. I'm just gonna slide in. Like, as the gate's coming down, I'm just gonna get in there. Or you can choose to be in Christ. Be be Jesus is Lord. This is the difference between Jesus Savior. Just barely get in, or Jesus is Lord. I'm in Christ, and now I'm a fully new creature. I'm something brand new. I'm something I've never been before. I'm something that's never existed before. And there's a whole bunch of us in the body of Christ that are this brand new creature that have never took our first steps. Because God said, bam, new creature. And then we go, oh, wow, well, okay. I guess I'll walk in that when I get to heaven. no. Jesus said, heaven is at hand now. Heaven is at hand now. He told many people that. Heaven is at hand now. You're a new creature now. You're not going to be a new creature. You're going to be a new creature now. And here's the other thing. If you don't learn this here, you will learn this there. So it's up to you. Do you want to go ahead and be in school now, in church, and learning how to do this now, so that when you get to heaven, you're like, all right, I got this walk. Okay, Jesus, come on, let's, let's learn some more things. Or do you want to go back, or when you get to heaven, do you want to be in remedial classes? Pre-K. Because I got news for you. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot more for us to learn. In fact, there's going to be so much for us to learn that it's going to take us all of eternity to learn it. So you might as well go... With some education now, you know I I don't know, Mom. Maybe you'll know when when we, when I was little and started in kindergarten. Was there any requirements to get into the kindergarten that you recall? Just just an age. You had to be a certain age. That was it. When my nephew, who is now 23, went to school in order for him listen, for him to get into pre-K. For my nephew to get into pre-K, 23 years ago. He had to know his full name, his address, his phone number, his alphabet, all of his colors, all of his basic colors, all of his basic shapes, and I think there were three rhymes that he had to know. So, and he had to know one through, I think one through 100, or one through 20, one through 20, maybe it was one through 10. I don't know. But he had to, there was a set number but this is this is like four and a half years old. And he had to know all of this before he could even go to preschool. How much more should we be able to do the same thing in heaven? Right? Before we get to heaven, how much do you know we ought to know a few things about who we are? How much before we get to heaven we ought to know what this new creature looks like? How about before we get to heaven we should already know? Hey, I get to, I get, hey Jesus, I get to sit on the throne with you. Hey Jesus, I have authority and dominion and power in you. Hey Jesus, I'm righteous because of you. How much you want to know? You ought to know before you get there. Hey, hey, uh, I'm a peculiar person. Yeah, that blood. Yeah, Jesus, that blood. Like that came. Yeah, that paid for me. We ought to know this. We ought to know, we ought to know, wow, you know, it, shouldn't, it should not take us going to heaven and looking at God on the throne going, wow, we do look like him. Cool. We should know that ahead of time. We should know that ahead of time. We should know that we have dominion authority. You don't want to get to heaven and go, you mean I didn't have to put up with the devil for 90 years? You don't want to get to heaven and go, Wow. God, you mean I didn't have to check out at 60 full of sickness and disease? You don't want to do that. Come on. We're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. What old things? The need to feed the flesh. The fleshy things are passed away. That, that, that old sad mentality of you're a nobody going nowhere passed away why because God's Jesus said repent which means change he did the Jesus did the change on the inside now we as Christians have to take what Jesus inserted on the inside and bring it to the outside how do you do that go to the book of James let's go to the book of James I got to close up right here but we're going to go here James chapter one verse twenty two James chapter one verse twenty two James one twenty two but be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So many Christians go to church and hear And they deceive themselves. Well I've got Jesus. I'm saved. So I'm heaven bound. That's not what the scriptures say. That is not what the scriptures say. There are qualifications. For making heaven. Jesus said. If you deny me before the father. Or if you deny me before man. I will deny you before the father. How do you deny Jesus. Jesus before man through your behaviors, by acting like the world. Your mouth can confess Jesus all day long, but if your actions profess the works of Satan, you, you might need a question. Am I going to be, um, am I, uh, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. You can deny God by your lifestyle. Listen to me. The scriptures are very, very clear. I equate it this way. You can obtain a car. You know, I said I, I we bought a we bought a brand new car, paid cash for it. If we never put fuel in it, or if all we ever did was put fuel in it, we never put any water in it, we never checked the oil on it, we never did the maintenance, we never put tires on it, we never did the brakes on it, we never did anything to that car but put fuel in it, How much do you know that car is only going to last for so long? You have to maintain the vehicle if you want to keep your vehicle running. When you become, and this is what happens with so many people, they receive Jesus as Savior, and then they do nothing to maintain their salvation. And I said in the beginning of the service, salvation is not fragile. God is full of love. He's full of mercy. He's full of kindness. And he will will extend your salvation to you for as long as he can. But if you continually, by the acts of your lifestyle, reject him and deny him, eventually God will have no choice because he's legally bound. He will have no choice but to lift his hands of protection and let you go. to the the God that you chose. So no, salvation is not once saved, always saved. Well, Pastor, I just don't believe that's in the Bible. One last scripture. Let's go. Ephesians. Come on. Now, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of these, but this one is the clearest. This one is the most direct. This one is the most you just... It doesn't get clearer than this if you tried. I said Ephesians and I meant Galatians. Galatians 5. Now, I'm not going to get stuck here because we're out of time. I, I thoroughly encourage you to study this out for yourself. Ephesians, or Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. Now that sounds weird, but let me make it real simple. Over here, you've got the kingdom of God. We'll call this also our spirit. Over here, you've got the kingdom of Satan. This is where our flesh likes to go. Okay? The spirit always wants to do things God's way. The flesh always wants to do things the enemy's way, Satan's way. If you, if you make your body do what the spirit wants, then guess what? The flesh loses out. If you, may, if you allow your body to do what the spirit, what the flesh wants, then guess what? The spirit loses out. So no matter what decision you make, some part of you is going to be unhappy and dissatisfied. But it's only for a season if, listen to me very carefully, it's only for a season because if you'll be consistent with following the Spirit. Because the flesh is going to get accustomed to what you allow it. The flesh at first will be very strong, but if you will constantly, every single time, go to the way of the Spirit, 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 you get farther and farther from the flesh and you feel less and less of the conflict. Now, does that mean, now listen, I've been walking this spirit walk for a long time. Does that mean that my flesh never flares up? Of course, it flares up. When I come under pressure, it flares up, but it's a lot easier for me to get it back into control when I continually walk in the Spirit, when you continually. So so you don't. So when you first start off as this baby Christian, when you first start off out the gates as this new creature, when you first start out of the gates in Christ, it feels like you're just in this constant tug of war. But the more you lean to the Spirit, the less power the flesh gets, and it just gets to where your flesh begins to actually enjoy it. There were plenty of days as a young Christian that I was like, oh, I don't want to go to church. Oh, gosh, I just want to sleep in. But now, for me to miss a church service, it's brutal. It's brutal. I'm telling you. There's some ministers that are coming over to uh, Dayton next week, and I'm like, man, I really like listening. He's a good teacher. But I'm like, no, I'm going to be in my house. I love my house. I'm coming to my house. I want to be in my house. Now, if they were doing it another night, I'd, I'd make the two-hour drive. I would, in a heartbeat. I'd make the two-hour drive. I've driven to the south side of Atlanta, uh, worked, uh, worked all day, driven to the south side of Atlanta, stayed in a service till nine ten 9, 10 o'clock at night, drove all the way home, got up, went to work, did the same thing the next three nights in a row. Why? Because my flesh has gotten to where I like it. Now, in the beginning, it was, y'all are going, where are you are doing what? You want to go sit in church. Why do you want to sit in church? Like <laughs> remember that we ran the van out of gas getting to church services we did we went we I, my we Michael and I took the youth out to uh Oklahoma, and uh we were in three services a day, and it was so good we I mean literally we'd get up in the morning, get ready, get to the church, do the church, go get lunch, get to the house, get changed, go back, do it again, go back to the house, eat a little something, take a little nap, get back, and we, and we <laughs> We never had time. We were in such a rush to get to the church for the fellowship that we never stopped to get the gas. <laughs> and we ran the, and we ran the gas out. Of, we ran the van out of gas. The kids had to get out and push. <laughs> I did. I've got the videotape. I'm hanging out the door going, "Come on, push, <laughs> push! Come on, get it!" <laughs> and what was so funny is another minister friend of ours. They were coasting into the pump with us in their car because they forgot to get gas too. Anyways, come on. My point is, is you can, you, if, you'll train, if you'll let Jesus clean your fish, your fish will get accustomed to being in the house. Now, look at this. Look at what he says, verse 18. He said, but if you be led by your spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, if you'll let your spirit lead, you don't have to worry about getting over into sin. Because if you'll let your spirit lead, you'll never sin. You'll never have this hypocrisy issue. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, the, uh, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are. Now, I'm telling y'all, y'all don't, we don't understand these definitions like we should. I, I, when we did our foundations class, I did some of these definitions and people were like, that's what that means? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh. Um, so, there's adultery, which is unfaithfulness, not only in the marriage, but unfaithfulness in your relationship with God. Fornication. Uh, which covers every type of sexual immorality, uh, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Which, believe it or not, that that uncleanness actually has to do with not even being a, with not taking care of yourself, not keeping yourself. There's you know these people that aren't bathing and are out in their pajamas and not brushing their hair and all of that craziness. That's actually lasciviousness. It's included in it. Uh, lasciviousness. Um, Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emotions, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. This has everything to do with arguing, offensives, murmurings, uh, anger of all types that's not checked, Envyings, murderings, drunkenness. That word drunkenness doesn't mean drunk. It actually means any level of intoxication. Um, And you can be intoxicated on all kinds of things revelings, which is all types of partying, and, and notice what it says, and such like. In other words, this is, not a, this is not a complete list. If you've got something in your life that's kind of related but not specifically listed, it still applies. Um, he says, he says um, and of the like, colon, of which I tell you before. Now, he's talking to believers. He is not talking to the sinners. Hear me, church. He is not talking to sinners. He said, and of the which I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, believer, if this is your manner of lifestyle on the daily, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. You're not maintaining Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, and if that's your situation, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. Now, God, gives, God is full of mercy, and God is full of grace, and I think that this is why some of the stinkiest sinners you've ever known in your life live to be 90 and 100 years old. It's because God's giving them all the opportunity they can that he can give them to get right. And I also think that this is why sometimes people die prematurely is because God knows how weak they are in their walk. And so God says, right now, you're right. Right now, you're clean. Right now, you're making heaven, but you're not working your walk. And if you don't go out of here prematurely, you're likely to go back. So it's better that you come now before you turn around and end up rejecting me. I think that's why some people go out of here prematurely. Um, But notice what he says. Oh, but then he gives us us hope. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, long-suffering, which is patience, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, and temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, if you're having a problem with any of these areas, Just begin to proclaim over yourself. Be a doer of the word and begin to proclaim. If joy eludes you, just begin to proclaim, I walk with joy. I walk with joy. The fruit of the Spirit is 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 joy. joy. That's called meditating. And begin to understand, I'm spirit, therefore I have joy. I'm spirit, therefore I have joy. I took all nine of these and I listed them and I recited them day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out until they started to produce in my life. So we've got to learn our position. We've got to learn who we are in Christ. You understand that it is so important that we put some effort into learning who this new creature is. It's so important that Jesus becomes more than just Savior. It's how we're going to be effective, Christians. It's how we're going to walk in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. We cannot just sit. Listen to me, Christians. You cannot just sit and expect the blessings of God to land on you. They're not going to do it. If you're just going to sit by and let life come, however life comes, the devil will eat your lunch. He will convince you that you don't matter. He will convince you to check out of here early. He will convince you that you can't do anything right. And here's the deal. Your walk, is not, your, your walk does not have to be perfect. You're, you just need to be working on your walk. Just be working on it. Yes, I'm pushing you hard. I understand that. The hour is late. I don't have a lot of time to play around as far as how long before Christ comes. I don't have a lot of time to nurse, and, and we, don't, we don't have that time anymore. We've got to get this walk right because until we get this, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are watching, and I'm trying to quit, and I'm trying to stop. I've been trying for 20 or 30 minutes, and you keep pulling me this way, but I'm trying to get you to understand that you are a Somebody. You're not what the Christian music says, just a somebody, try, just a nobody trying to do, trying to witness to somebody. No, you're a somebody. Not only are you are somebody, but you're a child of the living God with all of the rights and privileges of Jesus, in and through Him. Jesus said, "There's a reason that that scripture's in there that says I can do all things." Listen, if you have to go through a season of poverty, Christ makes you able to deal with that season. But that doesn't mean that he expects you to stay in that season. If, you have, if you're going through a, through, a, through a season of sickness, J- Jesus didn't go to the cross for you to stay in that season of sickness. He didn't, he, Jesus didn't go through everything he went through for us to be weak. He didn't go through everything that he went through for us to be ran over by our enemy. He went through what he went through so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, but the might is our responsibility, is our responsibility. And that's why I'm persuading you. There's no way I can preach long enough or hard enough to get over to you who you are in Christ you're going to have to sit down with your Bible. You're going to have to sit down with the word. You're going to have to spend time researching. You're going to have to spend some time reading some good teachings. You're going to have to spend some time confessing. You're going to have to spend some time getting this down on the inside. And when you do, you'll come out with such supernatural power, supernatural might, supernatural ability that nobody is going to be able to hold you down. But if you don't get over there and do your part, that's on you. That's on you. That's on those, the people online. That's on you. Jesus did his part. You are no longer waiting on Jesus. Jesus is waiting on us. And Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Father God. Father, we thank you for your love, and if the ushers will come. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your support. Father, we just, oh, you're just such a wonderful God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father God. Well, that works. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. What's the date? What do we got? 4.30. You know. Glory to God. Well, if you're doing tithes and offerings, if you're writing a check, you can write it out to DHM uh, to just make it short. if you want to write it out completely, you can. If you want to give online, you can go to um, discipleshouse, um, dot Faith and uh, click the give link and uh, it'll walk you through that. Now, if you want to give through text, you can text and um, the number's on the screen and you can text and once you set that up, then that's super simple because once you set it up, all you have to do is put in the amount each time, and it just automatically just does its thing. Um, the only problem is if you forget what account you set it up with, which is what happened to me. I was like, oh, I wonder where that money just went from. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I had to go to, I had to go figure it out. <laughs> but it does make it super simple. But in any case, uh, let's pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your mercy in Jesus' mighty name. Satan, you take your grubby, nasty hands off of the people's finances, release it, and let it go. Every every penny, every dime, every $1,000 bill that belongs to them, and everything in between, Give it, send it back to them in Jesus' name. And, Father, we command the angels to go, cause the finances to come, cause favor to come, cause increase to come. Father, we thank you that you're bringing increase to every seed sowed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Father, we thank you for increase. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Well, we do-